This is episode 104 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we get to today's episode, I'm so excited to share that my Bump to Birth online course to prepare you, your pelvic floor and core for birth is open for enrollment and early bird pricing will be available until this Friday, January 31st. The course will remain open after this date, but at the regular price. The Bump to Birth online program guides you step-by-step to understand and connect with your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy. Strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor. How to support you and your pelvic floor during pushing and recovery plan for the first six weeks postpartum. The program has five modules with demonstration videos and downloadable audio lessons, plus a course manual to complement each lesson. It includes a private members-only Facebook community where I'll be doing live group Q&A sessions so you get the support you want and need during your pregnancy and postpartum recovery. Bonuses include expert interviews, online pelvic floor and core yoga class, and strength training workouts that can be used in pregnancy and postpartum, and a pregnancy and birth meditation audio track with pelvic floor relaxation cues. If you're ready to feel more prepared physically and mentally for birth, join me in the Bump to Birth course. To get started today, head to the show notes for episode 104 at twobirthandbeyond.com or go to bumptobirthcourse.com. So welcome back to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I'm super excited to chat with Jen Kumzal, who is a mom of two little ones, so Henry and Stella. And she'll be sharing about her two pregnancies, births, and postpartum experiences. And we've had a lot of listeners ask to hear more birth stories, but then also people's journeys as they're preparing in pregnancy and then their postpartum recovery journey. So Jess and I are super grateful, Jen to have you on. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. This is pretty cool for me. <laughs> and so I met Jen this past year um, because she's in Jesse's Two Birth and Beyond program, which we'll talk a little bit more about later on. Um, and in Jen's recent pregnancy, she was a part of the beta program for my Bump to Birth online program, which helps to prepare you, your pelvic floor and core for birth. And so initially when we were emailing back and forth to we we uh, realized how small of a world it is because the pelvic health physio that Jen sees who lives near her is actually a really close friend of mine. So um, it's really neat to see kind of how everyone is very much connected professionally, but then also how our patients are able to connect with each other. So Jen, I was wondering if you could start with just sharing a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm Jen. I'm uh, 36, almost 37 now. It's crazy. I've got two kids. So Stella is uh, three and a half and Henry is two months now, nine weeks, actually. Um, after Stella was born, I joined my husband in the sort of small business owner life. So before that, I was uh, kind of a corporate person, nine to five job, um, you know, that kind of crazy hustle. And it's a different kind of hustle as a small business owner, for sure, and a different kind of postpartum experience as a small business owner also. Um, Yeah, that's me. Excellent. Starting with your first pregnancy um, experience with Stella, um, how was that? How did you feel kind of physically, mentally, and emotionally during that pregnancy? Mm -hmm. So... um, First of all, it was it was a surprise pregnancy in a way. We had just sort of decided that we thought we were kind of at the point where we were ready to start trying to have kids and 
basically the first try I got pregnant and it was, um, was interesting timing. I'd always been told because of some health issues that I'd need a, I'd probably take a long time to get pregnant. So I, it took a while to wrap my head around that part. And um, I was also on short-term disability from my job. So I had chronic migraines um, that were just getting much, much worse, could be four, four or five days a week. Um, so I had just, just gone off on disability and found out I was pregnant. So that was an interesting timing for me emotionally because, you know, thinking about um, having to tell my job and um, even just like the physical part of being pregnant while I was also trying to heal my body was, um, it was overwhelming at first, definitely. Um, once I got through sort of the first half of the pregnancy, the migraines were very intense also. Um, and I was fortunate to be off, off of work so that I really was just um, concentrating on my own health. Um, once I got about halfway through the pregnancy, the migraines started to get better and I started to feel really good actually. So I went back to work part-time. I found Jesse's two pregnancy and beyond program. I got back to working out, which was uh, really great. Um, I got uh, back on, um, I'm a horse rider. So I got back um, to riding horses until I was about seven months. Um, and yeah, so I, right until the very end of the pregnancy, I felt actually really good from that sort of like 24 weeks on physically, um, emotionally, um, I, it was, you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster. Like it's a weird thing that's happening to your body. Um, you really are like so not prepared at all for what's happening. And it's so hard to find good quality information that you can really trust. And there's so many different opinions. Um, originally I kind of felt like really heavy duty in the natural camp of things I was worried about taking medications and then I was really thinking that since I could deal with pain like migraines I should be able no problem to just you know have a medication free birth experience and that was really important to me um and then after I found Jesse the idea of um you know maybe like being a little bit kinder to myself came <laughs> came into play and just uh really examining why I felt like I needed to felt like I needed to be okay with experiencing all this pain that I was expecting and everything kind of came in. Yeah. So yeah, I, fe I felt a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's helpful to hear, um, all like all the different sides of it and kind of what we're going through throughout the stages of pregnancy and yeah, kind of the mental and emotional side. Cause I don't think that really gets talked about very much. Um, mm -hmm. And I was curious with the migraines, like did they, did you end up finding out kind of why they were happening or anything specifically that was helpful with them? It's, it's kind of been a lifelong journey for me. I've had them since I was a kid. Um, the second pregnancy, they were, they were much reduced again. I'm, you know, it's a constant sort of journey and um, I get a lot of good support. I try a lot of different things. I think, um, I think for me, a lot of it is physiological. So I, I have like, um, you know, kind of consistent neck tension and that kind of thing. There are, there are some like food triggers and like, you know, if I get dehydrated or I don't sleep very well, like that can also trigger it. But I think there's definitely a, um, a men like a mental health component to it as I've been, um, you know, this could be a whole different podcast, right? But as I've sort of explored that side of my life and been in therapy and really, um, you know, started to, to look at that side of things, I've experienced some relief. And I think there's really like a lot tied up in there. I think, I mean, the short answer is I think it's a lot of different things, right? And it can be a lot of things for different people, but uh, um, it is still, you know, a pretty consistent part of my life, but nothing like it was when I, when I first got pregnant, that was a, that was pretty much the the worst it it ever was and it has gotten better since then <laughs> good yeah and um when you were preparing for that birth what were some of the things like you mentioned you found jesse's program so kind of strength wise physically with strength training that was feeling good were there mm -hmm. other ways um that you prepared for that upcoming birth yeah so there's a i mean there's a great sort of I don't even know what you want to call it. I guess it's sort of like a clinic um, local to me that does um, really focuses on moms and babies. And so they have things like pelvic floor physiotherapists where I met Robin and, um, and they also do some classes and that, that kind of thing. So, you know, we did the, 
um, prenatal classes through them. We did a prenatal breastfeeding class through there, which was hugely helpful for me. Um, I did find that on both of those sides, again, it kind of was like really heavy duty on the natural side of things, um, you know, which really plays on my tendency to like, <laughs> to bring the guilt into, into, <laughs> into my life and, you know, feeling guilty for what am I doing to this baby if I don't do things naturally. But, um, but overall it was, it was good to at least like, I don't even know, like, like I said, you don't even know where to start thinking about preparing for this kind of situation in your life. I didn't have a lot of friends with kids yet and, you know, just one or two and didn't really talk about that kind of a, you know, nothing in depth, like nothing like it was really happening to you. With that. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's really good to bring up how, yes, not many people talk about it. And then also even how there can be such differences in prenatal classes or the information out there. It can be kind of one camp of very like kind of quote unquote natural unmedicated. And then the other camp of like, no, definitely get the epidural and everything. Whereas I find, I wish there was more of the in-between of Mm -hmm. all of the, the options and just understanding each of the um, factors that you may decide you want, maybe in the moment, maybe before, maybe things might change. Um, So yeah, did you find that with the prenatal class, did they talk much about epidurals or interventions or anything like that? Uh, They did. And, you know, and it kind of depended on which, (laughs) which thing we did. So we did a, we did a, uh, we actually did a private prenatal class um, with a woman who was amazing, right? So she was formerly a doula. Now she's a psychologist. She's, she really had that sort of balanced approach of like, you know, things can change. Um, here are your options, like that, that kind of a situation. Although she, because she's a psychologist, she fo- focused a lot on the like emotional kind of mental side of things, which is amazing. Um, and also not as like, I don't know, like specific on the actual like mechanisms of what was going to happen and what your choices are in that particular class and then the group classes that we did again they also mentioned things like epidurals and um you know you might want to have like narcotics or they might offer you narcotics or whatever and there was like a real sort of like overtone of however if you do this then uh you know your baby might have trouble breastfeeding you might not recover faster like it was just Nobody came out and blatantly said, like, this is really bad for you. But the general tone, you know, it really sort of made it seem like if you could avoid this, you'd probably be better off, um, which, again, yeah, really feeds into my own personal tendencies of feeling guilty about my choices. So yeah. I probably like kind of hooked into that a little bit more than maybe other people might. But uh, it was there for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely, it's good to to bring up so other people hear that as well. Um, and also, did you find, did they talk about the pelvic floor or like postpartum yes. recovery or anything like that? And I know you were seeing, you were seeing Robin, you said in this pregnancy too. I did. Well, yeah, with, yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. her um, starting at 36 weeks. Mm-hmm. So that would be a difference from this pregnancy where I saw, kind of saw her or in the second pregnancy. I sort of saw her all the way through on and off. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but I, that's how I found out about um, pelvic floor physiotherapy was through these courses. So they do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to only highlight the negative. The courses were very, very good. And the, the center is an, like, it's an amazing addition to our community and they really support moms and babies very well. It was just kind of that one part of it that was a little, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was just, a, you know, it was a little bit skewed for me, but yes, they I was really, really lucky, I think, to find them and, and learn about Robin and pelvic floor physiotherapy and get that kind of set up ahead of time. So I wasn't, um, uh, you know, looking for it when I was experiencing issues down the road kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's excellent. And what um, what were those some of the things that you worked on in pelvic physio? Because you saw her at 36 weeks in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So kind of a few weeks before, when did, when did Stella come in terms of in like relation to your due date? 39 plus four or something like that. So very close. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with the, um, the time that you did see Robin in that pregnancy, what were some of the things that you did work on that you found were helpful to know before giving birth? Um. So the main thing that we worked on with her was, was relieving some pelvic floor tension and some of the postures. So that, um, that idea of, um, uh, the, like the symmetry exercises she gave me and the flower bloom breath, 
um, to bring home and work on kind of like right from there. I think my head didn't fully wrap around it <laughs> for sure <laughs> in that time. And um, where I was in that first birth experience, I didn't like, I wasn't able to kind of access the stuff that I had learned from her. Mm -hmm. um, so it didn't really play a factor in that first birth experience mm -hmm. for me. I think it was not, it just wasn't in a place where I was able to access it that time. Yeah. And then are you comfortable sharing a bit about then Stella, your birth experience with Stella? Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, so I, I had decided that um, I didn't want to have a birth plan with Stella because I didn't want to be disappointed if it went wrong. So my birth plan was to be kind to myself and just sort of get, get us to the end, right? It was very outcome focused, right? Like, let's be happy, healthy, or, you know, have a healthy baby at the end of this sort of experience. So that was, you know, kind of my mental state. Um, with Stella, my water broke, you know, kind of in the morning uh, with just like, just like a trickle. Like it was just a, I didn't really know what had happened. So we might get checked at the midwives. They, it was kind of inconclusive, but um, the fetal monitor was showing some stuff that she didn't love. So we went into the hospital. She was talking about a cesarean and I was just sort of, you know, kind of breathing with that and say like, okay, like it's going to be fine. This, these kind of things could happen. Like we're in the right place. Um, they monitored us a bit and they ended up sending us home to see if the contractions would start on their own. Things kind of calmed down with the monitor. Um, and they were going to induce me in the morning. So we kind of did the things, the walking and the eating spicy food and trying to get things sort of going and the contractions did start on their own. And so I sent Mike to bed. That's my husband. And I just, I kind of labored on my own. I didn't have any plans for what I would do while I was in labor. I hadn't thought about that really at all. They did talk about it in the courses, but it was just sort of like, no, I don't want to have a plan. I don't want to be disappointed. So I didn't think about it. So I was by myself and I turned on the TV and I lay down on the couch on my back and it just sort of happened to me until I couldn't focus anymore. And I got Mike to call the midwife back. And by the time she came back and checked me at home, I wasn't in a really great place. Like my contractions were very, very close together. I couldn't calm down. I couldn't stay in the present moment. We transferred to the hospital and I asked for an epidural right away. I was getting no breaks in contractions. At that point, the midwife offered things like a tub if I wanted to try some different comfort measures and I just wanted nothing to do with it at all. I just like, I was not able to be in the place where I felt like I could keep going the way things were. Once I got the epidural, I was much calmer. Um, but Stella wasn't. <laughs> and so we had, we had some sort of, um, some medical kind of <laughs> distress and we weren't super informed about what was going on, but they ended up calling in the OB and the resuscitation team. And it was very sort of like frantic. And there was like 15 people in the room and um, our midwife had to leave because her husband had an emergency. So they had to switch out people partway through. It was just very kind of like chaotic. Things were sort of happening around me. I actually felt in the moment, I felt really calm. Um, I felt like everybody around me sort of have had their jobs. It's only sort of after the fact. And once I was in the second, second pregnancy where I realized that it was actually more traumatic to me than I realized. Um, so, I mean, you know, Stella was born and clearly she's here and everything was okay. They did call a code, code pink on her and, um, you know, again, in retrospect, it was scary, right? And, you know, the OB was there and she was just like yelling at me to push. I was pushing on my back. Like I, I really wasn't prepared for anything that happened. Like nothing that I learned stayed with me at that time. It was just, um, I'm even sort of like, I can feel myself sort of like being short of breath, finding it sort of hard to talk about now. And I didn't, even for like years after it, I didn't really think of it that way until I really had to revisit. So um, yeah, so I had, she, she was born and she came out crying, like everything was actually okay once she came out. She got a little bit stuck. She had her arm wrapped around her face. And um, uh, I had three stitches. So, you know, it wasn't a crazy, crazy tear or anything like that. But I also remember, you know, like, the, the OB was kind of stitching me up and talking about how she's the best OB in the hospital and she delivers the most babies. And, you know, it was really like I wasn't even there, right? Like it was just, a, a, you know, like a, well, it was, it was her job, right? And so she was nice to me and everything, but it was not really what I, what I pictured, I guess. Um, and then in terms of recovery, oh my goodness, can you believe that I was out at the store buying like, pads and depends at four days postpartum because I didn't know I was going to bleed for that long like I'm an educated like 
mid thirties person. And I didn't know that that was going to happen. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of things about the first pregnancy that I just sort of shake my head at now. Like it's unbelievable. Um, but I think it's, it's good that you bring that up because I think a lot of people just don't talk. Well, like that part about postpartum, no one really talks about that. Like I end up talking to my clients in pregnancy of just letting them know, like, typically in terms of bleeding postpartum and it can be normal, talk to your care provider. Like they should be telling you what is too much, where you need to be concerned. And, you know, if things are coming up like that, but even that for some people, it goes for six weeks, some, some people longer, some people it's four days and it's done. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it varies, but it is something that not not many people actually talk about. Yeah. 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 And, um, and with your, I appreciate you sharing your birth experience and how it, at the time kind of you felt very calm and it didn't it didn't register as traumatic for you until the the uh, the next pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Did you did you feel you got a chance to debrief about that birth experience with Stella afterwards like were you um given space to do that whether your care provider or um anyone else you were working with? Um, you know, like I have, I have lots of, I'm really lucky actually. I've got lots of people in my life that I can, um, be really honest with and, you know, kind of talk through anything that I want to talk through. Um, and I just, I didn't even know that I needed to. So, you know, I could tell the story and it was like this, like crazy thing that happened and everything was okay. Right. So it was still sort of, again, like the same with the birth plan, it was still very outcome focused, right? Like, you know, and Stella was here and it was sort of this wild ride. And then, you know, we kind of made it through and everything was great. And it wasn't again, really until, um, it actually was part of the bump to birth course, mm-hmm. I think. Right. Or yeah. I think it was, um, where we talked about sort of any, like going through any previous birth experiences and really talking about it. And when I, sort of sat with that as part of the course and thought about it, it, it really brought up a lot of kind of stuff for me that kind of made sense to how, how I'd been feeling through this pregnancy about the birth. Cause I'd been feeling really anxious about um, specifically the birth of the second baby. And, um, and it was really sort of that focused debrief of the birth experience with Stella that kind of brought the why to the surface for me. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that was something that was helpful. I know going through that doesn't necessarily feel good, but it sounds like that that was something helpful to go through before Mm -hmm. having Henry's birth. Is that what, is that what you're saying or just so I understand? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I don't, I'm I'm definitely one of those people that believes you gotta, you kind of go to go through these sort of things. So, um, uh, yeah, like it was, it was totally fine to do it. And in fact, it's kind of like a relief, right? When you, when you can, you know, it's one thing, it's sort of like, it's like the next level, right? So it's one thing to pinpoint, you know, I feel anxious about this upcoming birth. And, um, you know, I'm sure if I were to ever get pregnant again, I would also have some level of anxiety about, about birth because it is what it is. Right. Um, but being able to, to start to pinpoint why you're feeling anxious helps, so that you can start to pinpoint how you can sort of manage those anxieties as you're going into the experience. So, um, it was, yeah, and it was hugely helpful. Good. Um, and then going into, um, your pregnancy with Henry, how did you feel, um, with this pregnancy? So kind of physically, mentally, and emotionally going through this one? Yeah. So this, I mean, totally different. So first of all, I mean, my physical health was in a different place. Um, you know, I still, and I, I was still getting migraines, but not to the point um, yeah, where I was, uh, before I was working for myself, but I also had this other person (laughs) in Stella around. So, um, you know, not getting up and going to an office every day, but still very much on every day in terms of working, um, in our business and with her, I also, um, had been pregnant right before. So I had a miscarriage in January of last year, um, that we didn't do a lot of investigation on, but I think was a, was a blighted ovum based on my symptoms. We never really found anything in any of my ultrasounds, but my, you know, my body kept thinking it was pregnant. And I think you still kind of grieve like the, um, the way you think your life is going to be right. Like you make this plan. I had a due date in August, uh, you know, kind of 
and then that doesn't come to be. And um, so I had this miscarriage and then I got pregnant right away. And again, so, you know, again, didn't really expect that to happen. Um, with that second pregnancy, we'd been trying for about six months. So that was sort of more in line with like my mental thought of how long it would take. Um, and then, and then this time around, it was like almost exactly six weeks after the miscarriage, I was pregnant again. So, um, yeah, again, you kind of wrap your head around it. A lot of anxiety in the beginning of the pregnancy after the miscarriage, um, mainly about miscarrying again, right? And so, you know, you're always looking for that next um, milestone of kind of viability, right? Which I didn't have in my first pregnancy because I hadn't had that experience before. Um, so that was a little bit different. Um, I had a lot more morning sickness and, and that kind of um, experience with my second two pregnancies. So that was sort of another added challenge on top of <laughs> having, the, having the toddler. Um, I have a great healthcare practitioner that I worked with to help alleviate some of that, which is amazing. I also had um, a really bad SI issue pop up around 19, 20 weeks that Robin helped quite a bit with, but I was in my bed for a couple of days. I have to like crawl to the toilet, get my husband to lift me, you know, it's just physically was much different. So, you know, still part of the two pregnancy and beyond program didn't really do a ton of working out. Like it just wasn't happening between the exhaustion and feeling unwell and then feeling sore and broken there was like a good sort of end of second trimester sort of halfway through the third trimester where I got a little bit <laughs> more active and then um, by the end I was really uncomfortable actually so um, mostly just like gentle stretching and um, some yoga and that kind of stuff um, whatever could help me feel good but um, but there was also like I don't even know how to explain it because, you know, everything that I just said sounds really terrible, but there was also like this lightness to the pregnancy where I actually felt pretty good. Um, the migraines were way less, which is just like huge in my world. And I think mentally, um, in general, you know, it's four years down the road from my first pregnancy. Like I, I'm just in a better place mentally than I, than I was then. So I think that just really helped with a lot of the I think like a lot of the uncertainty, right? Like I think you can feel like a little bit better in your intuition, you know, yes, there was some anxiety around the loss and then, but there was also just like, um, just feeling more confident in sort of the choices I was making as a human kind of thing, right? You know, like if I have, if I feel like I'm starting to get a migraine, I'm okay, I'm just gonna take some Tylenol and like have a cup of coffee because I know that's gonna, make it it's you know most likely it's going to help me get rid of that and then I can just like function better in my whole life and I can just make that decision and and you know kind of go on to the next thing um so yeah it was just very different pregnancy <laughs> yeah well there's so many points um uh I appreciate with what you're sharing like the I think that again is super helpful for people to hear about your miscarriage experience and then also how that played into kind of mentally how this pregnancy was for you getting to those milestones that that mm -hmm. that does feel different um for example how you said with your first pregnancy not having gone through that before so for others who are pregnant to hear that i think is helpful so they don't feel feel alone in they may be making those markers of like i need to get to this point and then i can breathe a little bit more type of thing yeah also, I'm curious with the exercise, because it sounded like with um, your pregnancy with Stella that you were able to do the strength training, especially more mm -hmm. kind of near the end. And then this time, not necessarily having that same experience because of how you're feeling physically. How was that mentally and emotionally for you? Like in terms of exercise, is that a big part of who you are? Like, was that a big challenge to kind of let that almost let that go a little bit in pregnancy? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I had to, um, kind of the year before actually, like I had been struggling with a little bit of more chronic pain, pain flaring up and, um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, you know, it, it it's, it was almost like s struggling to find, um, my routine kind of thing. Like it, it, it was at one point a very big part of who I was. And then it really had to evolve a lot once I had, once I was pregnant and once I had Stella, you know, um, you know, I, I gave up my gym membership kind of, uh, you know, through the pregnancy with Stella, I think, or after she was born. 
and I've been working at at home mainly with with um, Jesse's program. And then even that, uh, I wasn't really working out. And then I'd try to get started, and things would kind of flare up, and I'd have to stop again. And so just that, it was almost like the constant kind of like buzz in the back of my head of like, how can I get myself into this routine? And it was it was actually really once I like made the commitment to um, have the care for Stella so that I could get to a prenatal yoga class once a week that I started to like just breathe a little bit better about it. It was like my mind quieted a bit more. So it wasn't exactly what I felt like I should be doing. I sort of felt like I really should get on this strength training because it should help me feel better and it wasn't happening. So I needed to kind of let go of that part of the should and then find something that actually was going to happen <laughs> right and it really that made a big difference for me too right so um you know i could kind of get to the get to the gentle stretching and stuff at the house and do my um you know that kind of stuff on my own but i wasn't i wasn't getting to any kind of major strength training stuff and it was yeah that was tough Mm-hmm. And how did the prenatal yoga feel on your body? Because was that something you had done um, with Stella's pregnancy or that was very much new with this pregnancy? I uh, know I did it with Stella's pregnancy yeah. too. Um, I did it somewhere else. So it was sort of like finding a new place and like, um, uh, I loved it actually. I, I really did. And I had a great instructor who was, who kind of took a little bit of time at the beginning of the class to sort of talk to us about um you know, she was, she was really passionate about kind of like the mental side of childbirth and even parenting, right? So we kind of connected over that and, and her just kind of taking that time to sort of, I don't know, like talk about a specific type of breath work that some people find helpful or, you know, whatever it might be. And a lot of it overlapped with stuff that I was doing in the, in, you know, your program or Jesse's or whatever, but it just was like, so good to get those like reminders hammered home for you and then be with people who are going through the same thing as you. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was really, really good. And um, I really did like getting out to a class versus doing it at home. And I did, I did both. Like um, there is a, there's a yoga kind of component to Jesse's program and, um, and you did, you had one as well. Right. And so there were those classes and I did them and they feel nice, but getting out with people, I thought, was really helpful for me. Yeah. The social component and just being surrounded by other people going through a similar experience, going through pregnancy together. So I think that's a really great point to bring up. Um, And then in terms of with this pregnancy, did you end up doing another prenatal education class or what were some of the other steps you took to prepare for this birth? Um, so yeah, we didn't do another prenatal class, um, but this time we hired a doula um, which was a difference from the first, again, right? Like nobody talks about these things. I thought like getting a midwife was like, kind of like getting an OB and a doula combined. Like that was, that was what I thought midwives did so wrong, right? Like not, not the same thing at all. Um, so yeah, we hired a doula this time around and it was actually a team. Um, and yeah, totally amazing. So, you know, we had those prenatal visits. Um, and then I, you know, Um, I have a great uh, support group in, um, I have some local moms that I met in a, in a mom and baby class when Stella was five weeks old and we're still very, very close. And a bunch of us have had second babies and even just like, you know, momming through the three-year-old years, two to three-year-olds. So, you know, we kind of relied on each other. And then in the two pregnancy and beyond program, you know, we've got a good sort of support group there. So, uh, you know, I kind of cobbled my my things together for the first kind of two trimesters and then and then I kind of got serious right so (laughs) and got back to see Robin and did the bump to birth course and that was sort of my um yeah sort of getting serious about (laughs) education around leading up to this birth experience that's good though I think it's again helpful for other people to hear it's not just to do all of this preparation or education in their first pregnancy Mm -hmm. and how you mentioned even in the first pregnancy you don't you don't know what you don't know type of thing Um, and then you go through it and you go like you know it would have been helpful to know about this or 
for some people, I feel almost you need to to go through that first birth then to feel like, okay, now I'm ready to take this information in. Um, Mm -hmm. And then some people are ready in that first pregnancy because they've heard from so many other people like, no, 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 like go and do this or this or this to prepare the first time. Um, Now, I was wondering if you could share a bit more about your experience with the having a doula in terms of the, uh, you know, prenatal appointments that you saw them with um, leading up to birth. Yeah, for sure. So um, um, my doula, there's actually, so it's a group of two women. So they work together almost in the same model as our midwives. So they do like an on-call method, but they did our prenatal visits together, Jacqueline and Nicole, and um, they were just like so amazing, right? And um, one of the like big sort of concrete things that they did, and again, something that you talk about in the bump to birth course is uh, working out your birth preferences. So like such a huge contrast to my first pregnancy and my, you know, kind of mentally leading up to birth, where I just like, didn't want to think of anything, right? Like, just don't tell me about it. I'm just like, I just want a healthy baby. I don't want to be disappointed where this was like the total opposite of like, think about everything like, and here, let me help you. Right. So, um, having the doula sort of broke out, uh, you know, every kind of decision that may come up because like, there's just so many different ways the birth can go and just sort of helping me to have that conversation with my husband to sort of say like if this then you know we want this to happen or I want this to happen or whatever right and and um it was it was really comprehensive um you know every sort of thing that we talked through and uh and sort of Jacqueline put together that document for us to go through and it was just like so hugely helpful. I felt so much better (laughs) and it kind of coincided right around that time where I'd sort of like gone back to what had happened with Stella's birth and sort of started to process through that. And those two things combined um, to, to really think through the birth preferences when it got to the actual birthing (laughs) experience, like, you know, I'd sort of thought through all these things. So when things were changing, like moment to moment, I could just kind of like make the decision and shift my headspace. And it was, you know, like, I, I don't even know how to describe how valuable that is. Right? Yeah, I think, and I, I think that's so helpful for people to hear because how, you know, looking at the differences and how you saw it in your, in, you know, Stella's pregnancy versus Henry's pregnancy, how initially it was the plan. And that's why I don't like to use that word plan mm-hmm. either. And it's great to hear that your doulas also like to use preferences because I look at it where, yeah, like when you, when people say plan, like it sounds like this very like finite, like it's going to be this way or no way, or it goes out the window versus preferences are, if this is an option medically, you know, things are great with me and baby, like these are the things that I would prefer. And then Mm -hmm. I find it also helps you then how you were saying, like go through the different options that if this happens, this would be my preference, but it also allows you to almost, um, kind of dig a little bit deeper into the different options that you yeah. end up getting more educated on what all these different things mean. So if something were to come into play, let's say forceps or vacuum, or maybe an epidural coming into play initially, you thought, no, that I don't want an epidural. But if you would, if you learned more about it, then you're like, you know what, this is a time, like this is actually going to be a positive thing for me. So yeah, yeah I love that your doulas went like went through that and you heard it from different different angles and different people. So that it really kind of, it, it was something that you realized how much helpful or how helpful it could be. Yeah. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And then, I mean, I think there really is just something about, um, you know, like the, like the, I don't even know, like the women supporting women kind of idea. Right. So my husband was not super into the idea of having a doula. Um, you know, he, he wanted to be the support person. And, um, you know, he, I think he was worried about, um, you know, getting some of his experience taken away, uh, if that was the case. And, you know, so that, um, obviously isn't, isn't their job. And that was just something that we kind of worked through and having, um, each person who was there on the day that Henry was born was just amazing. And having, you know, Mike be able to do the things that he was able to do for me and, and really kind of like be my person 
while, you know, the doula was also there, you know, being another person, but not like, yeah, not taking his place. I think that's a lot of people, I think, (laughs) think that as well. And I know with my two birth doulas as well. And I think my husband was just like, like you work in this area. I trust you. We're just going to do this. And, but he didn't really understand the role of a doula. And then after that Mm -hmm. birth, he's like, uh, yeah, that was, that was needed because they can go to all the classes and they can learn all the things, but in the moment watching your partner go through labor, they don't always know, you know, what can be the most helpful or they're also going through their own experience. So I find having a doula can help almost bring them in to it a little bit more and then Mm -hmm. also offer them support when they need it too. So, um, and I remember something you mentioned too, um, in the course, in the Facebook group that you mentioned also, you know, going, I might've been around the time you were processing, um, Stella's birth is that you were able to articulate to your husband, your fears around labor. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was wondering if you could share a bit more about that kind of you know, how you brought that up or or what that looked like for you both? Uh, yeah, it was, to be honest, you know, you're very emotional, right? So it was like, I think we, we were probably having a little bit of a fight, to be honest, um, about the doula. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we all have our own kind of things, right? So he was worried about being replaced or worried that I thought he didn't do a good job the first time around. And, um, I remember just saying to him and I was like crying, right. And saying to him, you know, no, I think I didn't do a good job. I think you did perfect. You did exactly what I asked you to do. And I think I did a bad job and I don't want to do a bad job again. And like, that is not something I ever had said. And it really kind of surprised me to say that. So, you know, we kind of, and then I, you know, we kind of left things alone because we were really heated and we were able to kind of circle back in a, in a more sort of calm time and have the real conversation about it where, um, yeah, I was, I, I was really holding a lot of sort of guilt and, you know, feeling like I should have taken in information better or done a better job of making sure I was supported so that. Anyway, it's very convoluted, but basically, you know, I, um, I didn't realize, right, until we had had that conversation. And then, and then I was able to sort of talk it through with him once I kind of got that first part out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And that is something I think once, yeah, once we say things out loud, and then you realize you're saying things that you're like, I didn't even know I felt this way mm-hmm. about that experience. Um, and before, um you share about Henry's birth. I was wondering if you could share also about um, how you were preparing your pelvic floor and core, like how you prepared your body for this birth um, that might've been different than with Stella's birth or similar to Stella's birth. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I think I was probably just able to like, I think like a lot of the advice I got was very much the same. Um, very similar anyway, right? I mean, I saw Robin in both pregnancies and uh, was working with Jesse through both pregnancies, right? So I think a lot of the advice was the same. I think um, I was just able to like integrate it into my <laughs> into my mental state a little bit better. Um, I did find sort of right at the beginning of, of doing the bump to birth course when we talked about, um, when you talked about the anatomy of the pelvic floor and I kind of realized that I hadn't really ever looked at that before really and didn't you know so actually like learning about my body and being able to visualize it that way was like sort of like next level helpful right um for me it was a lot of like relaxing for me like I was holding quite a bit of tension I was having a lot of issues around um like urinary urgency like it just felt like I had to pee all the time and you know like nothing you know I would run to the bathroom and pee a couple drops and then have to do it five minutes later it was it's annoying and you just like, you know, you're big and uncomfortable and all that kind of stuff. So I did a lot of work around relaxing, um, relaxing the pelvic floor and um, through things like the symmetry exercise and the flower bloom breaths and, um, you know, using some of the breathing techniques again when lifting Stella, cause she's, you know, 27 pounds or something as you get, you get on, like it feels like a lot doing the car seat wrestle and all that kind of stuff. So um yeah. So I think, yeah, 
the advice was a lot the same, like in the, in the directions were a lot the same, but the way I was able to integrate it into my life was much different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's helpful to hear. And the relaxation side, because again, yeah. I think that's something a lot of people don't, again, don't hear about. We hear about Kegels or, and again, Kegels, I always want people to know they're not a bad thing. And it's just, I think yeah. how they're sometimes taught or talked about maybe isn't the most, um, up to date. Like everyone just thinks of squeezing versus like there is a relaxation component of <laughs> activating the pelvic floor. Um, and something I remember you mentioned too was in the bump to birth course, we have, so my naturopath, who is also was my naturopathic doula with my first birth, she created this uh, meditation affirmation audio track which also Mm -hmm. had about pelvic floor relaxation in it I had her Mm -hmm. I really wanted her to have that component because I can never find this for my clients so I was super excited and you were using it in pregnancy I believe it was you were listening to this every day and you had some really interesting kind of changes in your urgency um, and overnight things so I was wondering if you could share a bit about that because I think that's helpful for people to hear that it's not just about exercise there are other components to why we might experience symptoms yeah definitely so you had shared um i think that you listened to an affirmation track while you were falling asleep and that you found that it was beneficial even though you didn't hear the whole thing mm-hmm. which was really helpful for me because i had started to listen to it but i didn't get it to it to the end of the day and i was like falling asleep and then i was about to stop because i was thinking well like i'm not even I'm not even hearing this because I'm falling asleep. But when you shared that, I thought, okay. So then I just let myself, you know, if I fall asleep, then, then that's great. To be honest, I wasn't really sleeping very much anyway. So if I fell asleep for the first hour, because I was listening to this, then that was like a bonus. Um, uh, I will, I will actually say that I I listened to it during the day once and I, there was like parts of it that I didn't even remember were in it because I fell asleep to it so often, but I think you're right. Like it goes into your subconscious. And I did um, notice after a little while of listening to it, that I wasn't getting up like six times a night to go pee those little trickles. I was like able to stay in bed overnight and like have a full pee in the morning. So it was really helping with that relaxation component there. And then the other thing that it really, really helped with is I put it on in the car on the way to the hospital. So we're about a 20 minute drive from, from the hospital where Henry was born. And, um, you know, one of the things, you know, again, that I found, um, really kept coming up to me about Stella's birth was that I wasn't able to stay in the present moment. I really was just like getting ahead of myself and worrying about what was going to happen next. So I put on this affirmation meditation track in the car. It went through almost two full times in the time it took us to drive there. And it was just like such a difference. Even my husband was saying, Oh, this is really actually, this is really actually helping me a lot too. (laughs) His pelvic floor was really relaxed. <laughs> but no, it was for me like to have that sort of like grounding when, you know, there's, I mean, you're really kind of like stuck in a spot, right? <laughs> Going down the highway and that kind of thing. It was, um, yeah, super helpful for that time also. And I think the fact that I listened to it so often that it really just helped to get me into more of a place of relaxation when things were pretty intense. I mean, I arrived at the hospital fully dilated. So, you know, things were pretty, <laughs> things were we're well advanced by the time I was in the car. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it's so great to hear. And I'm glad that um, I don't think I even realized that sharing that information, how many people have mentioned they're like, oh, okay. Cause I think a lot of people listen to, they may try listening to affirmation or meditation in pregnancy or not. And when you fall asleep, a lot of people feel like, okay, well, this must not be doing anything. I can't even mm-hmm. stay awake. I haven't heard the last half of the track. Um and when I did hypnobirthing with my first pregnancy, like that was part of when they talked about in the course, it goes into your subconscious. And yeah, I never, I don't think I ever heard the end <laughs> except going through labor. And in labor, you're not like, I, you're not really fully listening to it. Right. Like it's just, again, that subconscious side. So I'm really glad that was helpful because it's true. I think, you know, using those in labor, and if that's the first time you're using them, there can be benefits to it. But I just think you get way more out of it if you listen to it consistently in pregnancy because it just, it brings your body into that deep state and your mind into that deep state of relaxation, which is exactly what you want during labor. So I'm so glad that that was helpful. Um, And then, yeah, can you share um, about 
um, Henry's birth, because you said when you got to the hospital, you were fully dilated. So how did things start off kind of in, in that labor? Yeah. So it was, um, it was a crazy week. I mean, um, leading up to his labor. So he was born when I was like 39 plus five or something, two days before his due date. So it was pretty close. I was quite uncomfortable. He was like, he was, I always call, I called him the ninja baby. I didn't know if he was a boy or a girl. So I called him the ninja baby in there. He was just always moving around really up under my ribs. I was super uncomfortable. I like wanted him out. And then my daughter got pneumonia and I was just like, okay, like this baby needs to just hang on. So I was, you know, kind of feeling like a little bit of sort of some contraction type stuff was happening through the week, but nothing very consistent at all. Um, and then sort of that morning, it was on a Saturday, I woke up around 6.30 and started to time the contractions. Like they were starting to come and within half an hour, they were three minutes apart, but, but mild. So I, I paged the midwife and I just said, look, this is exactly how they started with Stella. They were very close together, but I'm like, I'm watching TV. You know, I haven't even woken up Mike. Like, I'm okay. I'm just going to take a bath, but I just want you to know like this, this is what's going on. I was texting with, uh, texting with Jacqueline and Nicole, the doulas and just, um, yeah, by the time Mike got up, I said, you know, I think you better call your parents to come and get Stella. I'm going to take a bath. So I did that. I came back down. Things were definitely intensifying. So I said, are they going to be here soon? And he said, oh, no, I just told them to be on standby. I said, no, you have to get them here. Um, and of course, you know, the three-year-old being a three-year-old wants me to do everything. So I had to, to put on her boots and put on her coat and they're playing, I mean, they're playing at the house. And I'm going like, you people need to leave now. <laughs> like, this is not okay. And I had to get Mike to page back the midwife because I didn't want to be on the phone. I remembered I had a TENS machine. I put that on. And then I started packing all this random stuff in my bag that I, you know, I'd had this bag packed forever. And I just went around the house and Mike's going, we need to go, Jen. I'm like, yeah, but I need a bathing suit. <laughs> I need a towel. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we, we put on the birth affirmation track in the car. We get to the hospital. I brought my own peanut bowl. Um, which apparently they have at the hospital. I didn't need to do that, but uh, so they're all commenting on that when I wheeled in and Sam, our midwife met us there with Kim, the other midwife who was on call. We kind of wheeled past the nurses. We got kind of into the room. It was just such a different, you know, same hospital and everything, but just such a different experience. Um, I did actually ask for an epidural because I'd been so sick and Stella had been so sick. I hadn't been sleeping. It was pretty intense. I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, I think I just want to have an epidural. So she's like, okay, we'll just check you. <laughs> and she was very nice about it, <laughs> but basically said, there's no time. She did she said, I will try, but I don't think there's time. Um, and Jacqueline showed up and um, yeah, I was able to just like ask for the lights to be turned off. I had the, I had the peanut ball. So um, I'd really like, I'd really liked that kind of forward leaning position when I was at home and when we first got in there, but I was getting really tired and very shaky. So I lay down on my side with the peanut ball and um, Mike, my husband is a registered massage therapist. So he was giving me some really intense massage through the contractions, which was just like so helpful. And um, the midwives were just like, oh, they're just so good, right? Like they're just like so chill. And like, you know, this is, they're just, oh, they were cheering me on. They were so great. And Jacqueline and the doula, same thing. She held my hands while Mike was giving me massages. They were like joking in between the contractions. I had to kind of like, yeah. And then I just like, I don't know, <laughs> like access this part of me that was very primal. And I screened my head off <laughs> twice. Sam the midwife offered to break my water. And eventually I said, yes, because she said, you know, it'll probably speed things up. Um, you know, you're not getting the epidural like this is happening. <laughs> so, um, so I said, yes. And it was very quick after that. It was probably four or five pushes um, of me screaming my head off. <laughs> and, and I do remember thinking, you know, when they said his head's out and you have to push his shoulders, I think I looked at Jacqueline and said, I can't believe this is a thing. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and then he was out and everybody was so happy and I could see Mike crying and they were all cheering and I'm going, what is it? What is it? (laughs) We hadn't found out um, if he was a boy or a girl and he was a boy and we got to do, I mean, like they just like put him up on my chest. We just... And then we just like chilled out, right? Like we were just there um, snuggling up. He was looking at me right away. He, um, he latched on almost immediately. Oh, I have to back up here actually, because there was one part that I, I did talk about in the, in the course that was just really, really amazing for me. And I know was just 
um, a result of a lot of, of all the work that I had done. And it was just before I was about to push out his head, um, one of the midwives, Kim, came up to me and she looked me right in the eyes and she said, okay, Jen, when this happens, Sam's going to coach you through it, but she's going to want you to push and then hold off and then push a little bit more and kind of really slow down your pushes for this part where you've been pushing like full out before this. And, um, and I was able to do it. Right. So like when that came and she, you know, she kind of told me like, okay, I need you to stop and like do like, and then just little pushes and little breaths. And I was able to have so much control, um, in pushing out his head that like, I didn't even know was possible or like, it didn't, yeah, like it was not even like in my realm of understanding when Stella was born that, that, that would be part of the experience. And, um, yeah, I really just think like the knowledge of how my pelvic floor works and then like, you know, all the work in terms of like the breathing exercises and everything to just really feel what that was like made such a huge difference for that part of the birth experience. So anyway, I kind of backed up a little bit there, but basically he was born and it was just like really, really, really wonderful. Um, yeah, we had Stella come and visit at the hospital because she'd been really excited to do that this whole time but then we all went home so we were in and out I think we arrived at the hospital at 10 in the morning 10 15 in the morning and he was born at 11 and we were going home by 2 30 that afternoon it was really just wild like I just didn't even know that that could be the way that it could happen yeah oh that's that that was such amazing to hear your experience. Like I loved hearing it when you shared it in the group and then now mm -hmm. hearing you share about it. Um, yeah. So many aspects of that. So it, and cause you said like, you feel very surprised in terms of that it could, how you're saying like that it could feel that way or be that way. So what would mm -hmm. be, what are, what are the surprises that you find kind of with that pregnancy that you didn't expect or didn't think maybe were possible? yeah I mean like it was intense and it was painful but it was not like I think you know leading up to and even after Stella's experience and then like even the beginning of this pregnancy with Henry I, I just thought like birth is kind of this thing that you have to like get through to kind of get to the outcome like it you know it's just like this part of pregnancy that you know pretty much sucks and like it's just sort of our lot and we have to do it. And it's, and it's just like a thing to kind of get, get over. Um, and, you know, so it kind of changed a part way through when I started to do some more of this work in that, like, uh, yeah, like the intensity still there. And, and yes, I found it quite painful. <laughs> um, and it was like, it was pretty cool, right? Like it was, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this, but I think it was sort of like the education that I did around sort of exactly what was happening. And so I could um, be more at peace mentally with what was happening. I think that really helped kind of remove the, the trauma parts out of it, right? Like when I asked for an epidural and I couldn't get it, I could really just kind of like shift my focus to like, okay, like I thought this could happen. So now like, this is what's happening. So I can just like fully focus on this is what's happening in the moment versus like, Oh, I wish something else was happening. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's the big difference between the two of them. And, and what I didn't really, like, I didn't know I could be that at peace with something that's happening. That's still really like super intense, but you could still be really at peace at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a great point to bring up too about with the epidural, because I think that's the other side people don't hear about is sometimes things are happening so quickly, or depending on the hospital you're at, there may not be someone there mm -hmm. at that time to administer an epidural, or you may have to wait. Um, so then to be prepared with all of these other kind of tools that or strategies that you had to then feel confident enough of being okay, so that is not going to happen. This is where we're at with birth. I have these other tools I can use to manage this. Yeah. So I think that's super helpful. 
um, to hear. And I love that you brought your own peanut ball. Um, <laughs> when you mentioned that, I was like, that's amazing. Um, and which, which hospital were you at? Cause you said they had peanut balls, which I think is yes. helpful for people to hear who are yeah, thank local. You. To you. So I was at Oakville mm-hmm. Trafalgar Memorial hospital for both of both of my births. And actually, um, some friends and I now we, it's, it's the sisterhood of the traveling peanut balls. So I lent it to a girlfriend who had her baby at the beginning of January and she's dropping it off with another girlfriend who's due at the beginning of February. It's just going to be our girlfriend's peanut ball, even if it's just for laboring at home, right? <laughs> it's true. Cause you, and the thing is you don't know what your body's going to want, what it's going to need. So yeah you know, having it there in case, same with the birth ball. Um, I know most hospitals now will have the birth balls. A peanut mm-hmm. ball is something kind of newer in the last few years here where I am in Peterborough, they do have them, which I absolutely love. A lot of clients use them. Um, for anyone listening who is wondering what the heck we're talking about when we talk about a <laughs> peanut ball, um, it's made out of the same material as an exercise or um, birth ball, except it's in the shape of a peanut shell. So why this can be helpful is if you're resting in bed or if you have an epidural, there's so many different positions you can put this in to help um, keep the legs open but comfortable. And mm-hmm. it just helps to keep the pelvis open. There's been some small studies that have been really promising of, of different ways that it can help with labor, particularly with an epidural. Um, and here I've had the L&D nurses love them, the doctors love them, the midwives love them. And I've had clients who their baby... Um, was OP or sunny side up in labor and the the nurses had them in a few different positions with the peanut ball and the baby turns fairly quickly. So yeah, I absolutely love it and love seeing that it's happening um, or that they're available more often. And the fact that you're sharing it with friends is really good. Where did you first hear about it? Was it in the bump to birth course or was it through your doulas or somewhere else? Uh, To be honest, I'm not totally sure. Um, Yeah, because I think it was it was sometime kind of like in between the two pregnancies before mm-hmm. I was pregnant again with Henry, but it was in the bump to birth course where I was like, oh, right, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to get one. It was like really inexpensive <laughs> to, to buy it and have it at home. So I was kind of back and forth. I actually had it on my, my list of questions for both the midwives and my doulas to ask if they had it. And I kept forgetting. So I just said, forget it. And I just ordered one online and I came to my house and I just had it because I just... Um, for me, this time around was like all about preparation, right? Like I just wanted to make sure that I had the toolkit, like you said. So I just like had everything in the toolkit. If I used it, great. If I didn't use it, fine. Like just, for me, it was all about options this time. Mm-hmm. Where like last time it was just like, I don't even want to think about it at all. And this time it was like, I just want to be like super prepared. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. And how was this? I know you're still kind of early in the postpartum recovery mm-hmm. period. Um, how has this postpartum time been um, kind of compared to uh, after Stella? Yeah, so I mean, it's super different in a lot of ways. So first of all, this time I didn't have any tearing. So no stitches, which is, you know, hugely different so really like um in terms of any like stinging and that kind of stuff it was really just a couple of hours and then that felt pretty normal so like going to the bathroom has been much easier you know I didn't have to use a peri bottle or anything like that so that was really nice um I bled for longer with this pregnancy I think like you're just so much more active with a second baby right like you just as much as you don't you know like you know it's important to rest and you don't want to be you know, you have this little person at home who really doesn't know what's going on and you just rocked her to her world. And so, you know, there's a lot of pull to kind of keep things as normal as possible for Stella. And, um, you know, so even, even beyond the pull that you already feel to try to have like some normalcy for your own self. And I think that kind of caused me to push things a little bit harder than I did the first time around. And maybe then, um, I would have liked to if I like had a perfect kind of scenario, but you know, that's fine. Um, initially I felt like quite a bit of heaviness and the tension kind of coming back. I figured it was pretty normal. I was super excited to get into, <laughs> get into see Robin and get my pelvic physio appointment done. It was like right around the time of the holidays. So I had it booked for the week before Christmas when I would have been like just before five weeks. Um, and then Henry had to go to the hospital. So um, he was hospitalized for five days with RSV, which was super scary, obviously. Everybody's fine now. Um, but an interesting outcome in terms of my recovery was that I spent five days in the hospital with Henry, obviously. Um, and it was basically like 
lying down or sitting down for five days, basically, right? People were bringing stuff to me. My husband was back and forth because he'd come home to be with Stella at night and then he'd come back, he'd bring me breakfast. Like, you know, so I was getting up to walk to bathrooms and stuff and maybe just to stretch my legs, but I was really like not doing anything. And, and, um, we'd also been so sick, right? So lots of blowing nose, sneezing. So I was really feeling a lot of heaviness in the pelvic floor when we, we headed into the hospital. Um, when we came out, it was virtually gone. So like, uh, you know, obviously I <laughs> never would want to be in the hospital again, but the takeaway kind of is like, the rest really is that important. And it really does make that much of a difference. Like it's not about getting back to exercise right away or like, and that's kind of where my head was going, right? Like I need to start my core and floor restore with Jesse's program. I need to get in to see Robin. Like it was all this like action stuff. And what I really needed was like total and complete rest for just a little bit of time. Like in the grand scheme of things, five days is like, I mean, it seems impossible when you're in the middle of your daily life. It really does. And so it was like, just by a total fluke that I was able to do that. And it really made a huge difference. Yeah, no, I think that's helpful to hear. And it it's true that I think, you know, going through it with a subsequent um, birth that you do, you have another little person or a few other little people that you're trying to mm -hmm. take care of and how you're saying the normalcy and their energy. Um, when my second one was born, Pippa was almost three and yeah, they need energy that they need to get out and do stuff. So yeah, in terms of it, you'll, you'll likely be more active um, or not have the same options to rest. Mm -hmm. But I think what you talked about is super helpful that when you can, um, and sometimes you're forced to with certain things yeah. that, that that's been helpful. Um, now, in terms of what, what advice would you give to first time moms going into birth? And then moms who are or pregnant people who are going into it for the second, third, or, you know, fourth beyond that, what advice would you give to them? Um, would it be the same or it might be different? Um, I think it would probably be the same. Like I think no matter what, right. Um, you're going to take things in your own experience. Right. So, you know, like I, I mentioned, I think it would be different for me in subsequent pregnancies and it would have been different with the first pregnancy, how I was able to kind of like process advice and education and stuff but I think like the bottom line is is like having people around you who have been through it and know what they're doing um sort of two separate things right but like finding the experts is really important in terms of like you know pelvic floor physiotherapists and the doulas and you know relying on your midwife and asking all the questions right um and then having the group of women also around me who have been through it has also been that I just didn't have the first time around has been hugely beneficial. It's just so different, right? Like um, knowing what people went through and are going through and everything, you know, that like, like we said, people don't really talk about until you've kind of been through it. So, you know, if you're a first time mom, if you can find people who are not first time moms and really ask them to be honest about their experience, I think, that would have been so beneficial to me the first time around and just like learn as much as you can. Right. Like for me anyway, the knowledge was just such a difference the mm -hmm. second time around in such a positive way. Yeah. Learning about the different options. I loved hearing how that was actually a really helpful thing versus um, kind of just going in without knowing your options, actually knowing all the options can actually feel more empowering in that birth yes. experience. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for sharing your experiences, for um, being on the podcast and just sharing all that. Because I just think so many people who are expecting are going to take uh, such value away from what you said, whether it's their first time or third time going through this. Um, so thanks so much for being on. And I send a thank you from Jess as well. She's really excited that you're mm -hmm. on the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it was really great. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 